Hello everyone, my name is Jack Williams with SN Casa. And welcome to another episode of the Null Sports Podcast. We are back after a week hiatus. Unfortunately, I was sick, but I am back to full health and we're going strong now um, into a extremely busy week right now. Talk about Florida State and you know the ACC championship is on Saturday. Soccer is heading to the College Cup semifinals. Um, and Carey as well, and they'll be playing Clemson. Volleyball is going to be um, playing the NCAA tournament. It's the ACC-SEC crossover with basketball with Arkansas and Georgia. I mean, there's so much going on this week, and, you know, we're going to have you cover it all here. We actually have an interview this week as well with um, Alexis Cubitt from um, the jo- Courier Journal. Journal. Cor- Courier Journal, yes. it's These newspapers have all different names then in all different combinations. So I'm Louisville, so that will be coming up later in the podcast as well. But um, we'll just dive into it right now and just talk about the craziness this is this week um we'll start off with you know something that happened on tuesday it was one spot up for florida state in the college football playoff rankings but it was a big move just going one spot up for florida state essen i mean um he had that story covered with um their movement in the college football rankings of oh, one more coming out before those final decisions are made for who well, gets the in. one be the final one the last one will be the final decision on sunday yeah yeah one more yeah this was the final one more ranking this last one being the last one before we get the final ranking but i mean i mean how big of a move was this for florida state it was expected um hmm. we talked about this they're one of four undefeated teams left and I can definitely see the argument they are the weakest undefeated team left. Um, you know, they don't have they, their signature winners against an LSU team, which is in the teens now. Michigan obviously has that win over um, who was number two has that win over um, Ohio State last week. An impressive win. You know, we've been low on Michigan, but I think we both give them props because that was an impressive win, thirty twenty four last week. Right. They the final score is less indicative of like how Michigan dominated that game. I think as well. Because they were constantly up. It was not just like, you know, they were up by one touchdown. Like, they were con- consistently up in that game. Mm-hmm. They thoroughly outplayed Ohio State. They deserved that win. So we've given a lot of, um, you know, um, for because we're not going to, you know, use extremely bad language. But crap in this line. A lot of know, grief, yeah. A lot of grief um, mm-hmm. all season because, you know, the, the sign-stealing allegations, all that. But admittedly, they deserve to be number two. I think they, the committee got that right. Georgia's number one. I think we're in agreement on that. Like, yeah. Georgia belongs number one. They have some... Impressive wins this year. They're undefeated champions back-to-back seasons. Yeah. I think they have the SEC record for most wins in a row, which is ridiculous, but good for them. Mm-hmm. And then um, Washington at three still has the second-best win, I would argue, the season over Oregon, who they will play again this week. Right. In a huge matchup. Um, so everything is going to play itself out. Florida State's back at four. Um, I think yesterday set the stage well for, you know, um, I think Oregon was five, Ohio State six, Alabama, I mean, Texas seven, Alabama eight. And then after that, we don't care because they don't matter in the rankings. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think those eight teams are alive. I mean, for number eight, Alabama, I think a win over Georgia probably gets them in. Texas has a harder rub to get in, mostly because they're playing um, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. who I believe is in the teens. <coughs> and then you have um, um, the Oregon number six, the number five team against number three team. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so... Ohio State, number six, they don't have another game to play. So I think they, for all intents and purposes, I think a lot has to happen for them in the end. I think they're... They're debatably eliminated. Yeah, they're debatably eliminated because they lost their de facto playoff game. Yeah. The one game they needed to win, they lost, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it's fair to assume that Ohio State may or may not be out. The teams, what could get interesting is I think, you know, we had some discussions about this. 
And I don't think you could do it. I don't think it would be right. You cannot leave it an undefeated Florida State if they win this weekend. No, like as much as Kurt Herbstreit wants to keep it PG, wants to whine about it on ABC, and I, I think a lot of FSU fans have not really favored Kirk this year. Um, and I agree. I mean, I don't really agree with his opinion and stuff like that but I understand about having the four best teams in there and being like, well, lately it's just a bit of a qualification and not the four best teams going in there. I, it truly is. It doesn't really, in my opinion, it truly is a slant. Like, Florida State did everything right, and you're going to punish them by not letting them in. That's not right, in my opinion. Like, you need – this team goes undefeated in – just undefeated, period. They have a perfect record. They are a Power 5 team playing in the ACC. This is a team that should be getting in no matter what. It shouldn't matter – if, like, well, Texas, or Alabama, blah, blah. I mean, if Alabama beats Georgia, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Texas being the example of, like, well, we beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, throwing that against um, Florida State's undefeated record. Texas did lose to Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma lost to Kansas, and it kind of rolls from there. But I'm kind of I'm kind of starting to ramble now. But, uh, no, Florida State, if they go undefeated, they, they should. They sh- should. Like, it should in the definition of they deserve and should get in, in I mean, my I, opinion. I think it's as simple. If Florida State wins, they're in. If they lose, they're out. Because <coughs> at one loss, they do not deserve the res- same respect that an Alabama has or that a Georgia would have. Right. Or I think if they lose, you're looking at maybe two SEC teams, and if Alabama beats Georgia, you're looking at maybe Texas being in. I think you're opening a can of worms if Florida State loses this game there. They have to win the game. They mm. have to win this game to be in. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I don't want to compare it to Cincinnati because, I mean, Cincinnati was the first group of five team to make it into the playoff, but, I mean, it kind of is, too, and just when you're matching up against the rest of the conferences and the competition as well. Um, you know, Cincinnati had to win out when they got in as well. Um, I think TCU, that was their situation last year. They kind of had to win out to get into. No, they didn't. They lost in the championship game, and they still got in. Um but, you know, this situation with Florida State, <coughs> excuse me, um, yeah, they need to win to get in, period. Like, we've, we've said it multiple times, but, I mean, that's what it is, hands down, Definitely. on the table, cards down, whatever you want to say. It has to be that. And the pure chaos factor is still on the table, you know. Um, <laughs> just think about it. Alabama could be Georgia. That causes some issues. Um, the Florida State winning would be part of the chaos just because of the decisions they have to make. Oregon beats Washington. Um, you have the uh, conundrum of some weird conundrum of Iowa beating Ohio, not Ohio State, Michigan. Michigan. Well, I was gonna say um, the chaos theory would be that Iowa actually, um, you know, beats the over, the under, or the, <laughs> the over. <laughs> that is part of the chaos theory. <laughs> that just like you know, them winning would be one thing, but if they get if they get do the over, I think um, one of our coworkers said um, <laughs> people in the Kobe, like they said that they're gonna they bet the under on Iowa six point five. <laughs> So, uh, oh my God, that's I mean, oh God. I mean, I, who's gonna score more points this weekend, Clay, Caitlin Clark or Iowa? I mean, <laughs> it's gonna, it's just gonna be shocking. With I don't know, it's more unlikely Iowa scoring, you know, going over or them winning the game. Both of them are very unlikely. Yes, but yes, yeah. it could happen. No, I, I mean, know. yes, the, we're just talking the chaos theory. Yes, you know, you have um, Texas wins. Obviously, because you want to keep them at one win if they want to do this chaos theory. Right. One loss, I should say. I said one win. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it is technically one win because they harp on the tech Alabama win. But, you know, right. um, besides the point, you have Alabama at one loss, Georgia at one loss. 
Washington at one loss, Oregon at one loss, um, Ohio State at one loss. It just gets complicated. If that happens, like, by, like, using the transitive hot property, which is not a great property to use, but does Florida State become the number one team in the country? Because they're the... They're the only undefeated team in the country at that point. I mean, yes, at that point, that's a discussion. <laughs> and um, this is just like, I guess this is a little preview because we will t- discuss this on Seminole Script following the game, including the game. Um, you know, you guys obviously can follow us. Uh, <coughs> um, we tried this um, start after the Miami game. Mm-hmm. And something we're going to keep doing, obviously, couldn't do after Florida because of um, people acting like they're sick. Um, I was sick. <laughs> so but, okay. um, but, but yeah, no. So we will. This is just a preview of what our seminal scripture could be because we will have the scenarios. We will have have a lot to discuss about that. We'll discuss the game, but um, just a little preview on that aspect for that aspect. But right. um, I think um, you want to introduce our um, interview. Today? Yeah, we'll lead into um our interview now. Alexis Cubit with the uh, Louisville uh, Courier Journal. Um, yeah, she's the Louisville beat writer, correct? Courier Journal. Courier Journal. Courier Journal. Courier Journal. Um, um, but yeah, we had a nice little discussion with her and yeah, we'll just lead into right, right now. So here's Alexis Cubit, um, talking to us. Hey everyone. Um, back into our interview segment of the podcast. Now I'm joined here by Alexis Cubit from the, uh, Courier Journal out in Louisville here to talk about the ACC championship game coming up on Saturday. Alexis, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are y'all? Doing well, doing well. Just, you know. It's we have like a freeze warning here up in Tallahassee, so um it's um it's been a little cold here and I know it's not gonna be any warmer in Charlotte, but you know, we're counting down the days till we can get to North Carolina. But uh yeah, you know, it should be an exciting matchup between Florida State and Louisville. Um, you know, I guess, you know, coming into this game, what are the biggest things that you know, you're looking out for? Yeah, I mean I think the biggest thing for, for Louisville right now is well one of the biggest things is kind of the health of Juar Jordan. Um, he's been banged up since the pit game and obviously been a really big factor in their offense. So just limited in, in the game since um, he obviously, you know, has, has scored and, you know, is keeping his yardage up. But I just think, you know, after a certain point in quite a few of the past two games, you haven't really seen him at all, let alone be a factor. Um, and so I think that will be one of the biggest things, just kind of seeing, you know, how full go he is, what percentage he's at. Um, and then just if they can fix the mistakes of, you know, last week, um, obviously losing the governor's up to Kentucky for a fifth straight uh, season, well, meeting, because they didn't meet in 2020, but mm-hmm. for a fifth straight time, um, you know, turnovers, which were uncharacteristic, um, the defense giving up big plays, which they've been able to contain most of their opponents. But as Jeff Brown mentioned, these past three games have just kind of uh, not been as sharp as, as they have been. And so, you know, Jeff Brom, you know, took credit for that and uh, basically, well, I said you should say blame, but he took the blame for that and basically said the coaches have to kind of change some things up on defense. Maybe some of the looks they were giving, um, you know, teams are kind of catching on to. So now they're going to try to switch some things up and, and keep teams on their toes for the state, obviously, in this situation. But, yeah, I would say those are the biggest things right now is Jawar's health and just eliminating those mistakes from last week. Yeah, I mean, um, it's kind of weird. I think we alluded to this a little bit last um, earlier this week when we talked on um, Tim Walter's podcast. But 
It's crazy. Um, you know, a year ago, we were talking about Satterfield, Satterfield being fired, you know, potentially being fired. Yeah. We're wondering if that was, Florida State was going to be, you know, the last draw in this, um, you know, and obviously Florida State was still finding its footing being a, you know, what, they started 3-0 and it was an interesting game. Obviously, Jordan Travis goes down in that game. What a long way both mm-hmm. programs have come since, you know, last year. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it's been a wild you know, year of just, like you said, I mean, I remember, you know, Satterfield being two and three at Boston College, and you're kind of wondering, okay, you know, how soon does does Josh Hurd kind of, you know, give him the boot or, you know, and then you go from that to, was it two months later, he's getting another job. So it was like, how do you go from, you know, a coach about to get fired to him getting a whole different job is insane. Um, And then just, you know, the Wake Forest game where they completely, dominated uh, the number 10 team in the country at that time in wake and you know then you go from that to like i said satterfield getting the job at cincinnati to you know for the past six seven years um or however long it's been the little fan base just like chomping at the bit to get jeff braun back and now he's here and you know having a season that has far exceeded anyone's expectations or you know beliefs of what can happen And, and like you mentioned with florida state i mean you know, it, it's, it's been an interesting time, unfortunately, you know, for Jordan Travis's injury, because I think that would have been a really, it would have been nice to see him in person uh, for a full game. Cause like you mentioned last year, obviously he got hurt, um, but what a dynamic athlete he is. Um, so yeah, just a lot can change in a year. That's for sure. No, for sure. I mean, like one thing that's interesting is like, what has, what has Jeff Brom brought to the program to ter- help turn it around? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and, and, you know, like you said, we talked on Tim's podcast. I don't want to sound overly corny or hallmarky, but it's just a different change of culture and a different feel. Um, like the, the guys were talking a couple of days ago, we talked to um, Brian Hudson, who is a Jacobs Blocking Trophy winner, and TJ Quinn, who was all ACC uh, honorable mention, I believe it was. And they just said, you know, they noticed how hard he took the Kentucky loss because even though he never played in it, when he was a, a player at Louisville, um, he knows how much that means to the people in the community, a lot of which are his family and friends. Um, and so just them seeing Jeff, you know, take it so hard and be so passionate about it, uh, um, you know, that that showed that he cares. And, uh, you know, that, I guess, sparked something in them, obviously, because when you see your leader care and have that kind of, you know, compassion and, and you know, fieriness, that obviously spreads to to the players. And so um, I think that's the biggest thing. I think his reputation precedes him and what he was able to do at Purdue, particularly on the offensive side and, you know, sending the three or four quarterbacks to the NFL and plenty of other players uh, to the league. You know, it's a big – it's a lot to kind of take in and, and give guys some uh, – motivation or extra push to want to play with. And and you've seen that this season. I mean, you know, last year, Florida State included, they lost so many close games. The Boston College game was close. But this year, they're on the other side of that, where they're winning those close games, where defense is coming up big. I mean, like I said, before the past few weeks, I mean, defense was really kind of pushing this team with the goal line stands or the interceptions at the end of games. Um, which you would think you wouldn't think that for a Jeff Brom team, you would think, you know, offense or you would think, you know, a passing game. But it's just so much that, you know, he's been able to, I think, impart on not just this, these players, but this community that's 
really allowed them to kind of rally behind him. So I just think it's a situation where, you know, Louisville has their guy and, and, you know, he's got a good reputation as far as just kind of growing up here, playing here. And, you know, the players see that and it's something that they can really get behind right now. Yeah, you know, one of the big things I think you mentioned was Gerard Jordan and, you know, his health coming into this game. Um, The big thing that we've heard from FSU and their coaching staff throughout the week is just how much of the run game that Louisville has and how much of an impact it's had on the success this entire year. Um, You know, beyond Gerard Jordan, you know, I guess how deep is this running core for Louisville? Or, I mean, if he's out or if he's injured, I mean, how much of a dent is that going to take? Well, I mean, if you look at the past few games, Isaac Garendo has been huge in terms of keeping that run game afloat. I mean, he's not the same kind of runner that Jawar is, but he's extremely powerful um, and very strong and, and someone that can maybe where Jawar can elude tackles, Isaac can kind of like run through them. Um, I believe uh, running backs coach Chris Barkley called him a, a semi, <laughs> like a semi truck just kind of coming down, coming down the road. Um, then they have... Maurice Turner, who I have, um, you know, kind of deemed like a Mighty Mouse kind of guy. He's, he's respectfully, of course, kind of twitchy and, you know, just fidgety and able to kind of pick up those yards by just kind of like having those really quick reflexes. Um, and then also, too, one of the things about this offense is you have guys who are receivers that are running the ball. I mean, Amari Huggins-Bruce has been at Louisville for what, three, three years, and he's had, I think, when you put the past two years combined – you know, this season he's had more rushing yards. Um, Kevin Coleman had, I think, a couple of runs over the past couple of weeks. So you have where basically you're getting your playmakers the ball. And, you know, whether that's, you know, coming out of the backfield and catching or, you know, um, being a wide receiver that's now in the backfield and running, um, they have guys that they can put in those positions. But those men two obviously behind Jawar would be Isaac and Maurice. Mm, and you know, and talking about kind of Florida. And Jack, sorry. Oh, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should I should mention that I forgot. Jack has shown the ability to to run the ball. I mean, they've had some some you know situations where he's had to do that. And you know, they said two to five times a game he should expect to run the ball. So you know, we kind of joke and say you know it's a, a Lamar Plummer out there, but <laughs> you know he he's even running the ball. So I mean, you do have some obviously Juar is, is in his own his own category, but you do have some guys that can kind of, you know, by committee pick up for that, that uh, production. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, on FSU side of the things as well, um, in talking about the quarterback change, it's been the big news around here with Jordan Travis going out against North Alabama and Tate Rodemaker stepping in, you know, has Louisville really talked much about, um, you know, maybe the game opening up a little bit more with, you know, Rodemaker stepping in, or has that altered their plan in any way from what you've heard? Um, I think, from what I can tell, they well, first of all, as we've mentioned, they they've played tape before. A lot of the guys that were on defense uh, last season are back, mm-hmm. you know, so they they know a little bit of what to expect from him. But yeah, I think right now, you know, uh, they're kind of looking at what Florida State has done with him, uh, maybe just being a little more more conservative at first, but now kind of opening some things up for him with developing that confidence, but. You know, I, I think as much as they're they're preparing for for Tate, they're also preparing for those running backs. I mean, you know, Florida State obviously lost one to the portal from last year, but they still have very qualified guys. And and it's not even Tate, but just the, the fact that he's got receivers, very trustworthy receivers, 
Louisville fans are very familiar with Johnny Wilson, mm. you know, and now Keon Coleman coming and having, you know, the season that he has had, uh, you know, first team all ACC. Uh, so I think they're going to have to, as much as, you know, you say, oh, it's a backup. They're not treating Tate like he's a backup quarterback. He's very much, you know, an experienced guy who has a win over Louisville. So, you know, I think they're going to kind of, you know, see what the offense kind of, kind of shows first, but I do think that they have noticed some trends in, in what Forrest has done with him and are preparing to, you know, for them to kind of open it up a little bit with Tate kind of building up that, that experience and that confidence. You mentioned, you know, they played Tate last year. Is there a sense of, um, you know, just from the, the uh, pride from the defense that they want to get back at him after what happened last year, how the game ended? You know, I haven't really heard too many people mention last year's game, which is odd to me because that was, that was one of those winnable games that, that very early on, in my opinion, deflated Louisville season and created some of that buzz for, you know, what what's going to happen with Scott Satterfield. Um, but I do think that winning cures a lot of things and it possibly gives a little bit of amnesia because, you know, for the season that they've had this year, I think so much of the focus has been on just the history that they've made. You know, they're not exactly uh, talking a lot about last year's loss, but you have to think it is on their minds, right? Like, you know, like Jeff Bromis said, even though he wasn't coaching here, he's been a Louisville fan for his whole life. So I'm sure he remembers that. And, you know, there's a lot of pride he takes in being able to kind of uh, help Louisville get back on that national spotlight. So even though it hasn't been widely talked about, I'm sure that's something that they've definitely mentioned. On that note, you know, you mentioned, you know, last week probably ended Louisville's chances of being a playoff team with the loss to um, mm-hmm. Kentucky. But are they embracing the spoiler lore? the role they could play against Florida State? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, because the thing is, even though, and I would argue that the pit loss really kind of like, cause, I mean, I guess technically if you would have beaten Kentucky, you could have a chance. But I would argue that the pit loss is the worst, the worst loss between the two. Right. Um, but to your point, yeah, I, I think that there's still a lot to be played for because I mean, honestly, three months ago, would we even have been talking about Louisville making a college football playoff? Like, that wasn't something that, I mean, I know for me, I had them at, like, eight wins. That was my projection. They're sitting here at 10 and 2, um, where it very well could have been 11 and 1. Um, right. So, I mean, I think there's a lot that they have accomplished to get to this point. So I don't necessarily know if, you know, right now, making the college football playoffs or not making the college football playoffs is kind of the – the, the big picture for them, I think they're just happy to be back in the national spotlight and they want to be able to uh, prove that they belong because there's been a lot of critics about their scheduling or, you know, just different kind of things about this team that people have kind of picked at the pit loss being one of them um, or, or the fact that Kentucky's record, maybe not as, as shiny and pretty as some of the other SEC teams. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot that they can use this game to prove, where it's not necessarily just about college football playoff implications. It's about just getting that national respect and doing so, you know, in a really big game. Right. And the ruined Florida State season would be just a bonus, I guess, at that point, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, no, I guess I guess leading into it, um, you know, eventually leading into all of our predictions, but I guess how are you feeling about this game so far, you know, just a few days out? You know – I I had I tweeted this out or X'd it out, whatever now. X'd it out. Um yeah. and it's at 
two and a yeah. <laughs> oh, social media. Um, it's at two and a half now, which is insane because two weeks ago before the Miami game, you know, it was nine and a half. And so for it to have dropped so much, obviously the Jordan Travis injury has affected that. But the fact that it's dropped so much says a lot about what betters are thinking. Um, but then it also just proves what I kind of figured going into this. I think it's going to be a lot closer than, you know, people might think it is. I mean, of course, you know, Florida State is, is a you know, top four team you know, really good, really strong on, on both all facets of the ball. But, you know, Louisville has, has been pretty strong too and, and pretty dynamic in, in what they were able to do because you figure, you know, like we mentioned, Florida State has a lot of returners. Louisville is basically playing with almost a brand new team. I mean, they have some guys that, that came back, but I think a third of the team are portal guys. So the fact that they've been able to kind of do this in the way that they have been um, – I think it says a lot about just the talent and the potential that this team has. So I definitely think this will be a close one for sure. That's that's the mentality I'm having uh, that I have going into it. Um, but, you know, crazier things have happened. We'll see um, how this kind of plays out. But I, I definitely think that Louisville is going to come in with it with the chip on their shoulder for reasons that I had previously mentioned in terms of just their national perspective. Um, they're definitely out to to prove it, that they belong at this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think it's going to be a close game as well. I think Jack's on the same boat. Both of us kind of waffling on our picks a little bit. Like, right. um, what we've seen <laughs> them practice a little bit and what we saw in the Florida game. Does not either have uh, of us either, like, you know, you know, this is a Florida State team that could defeat a, a decent opponent soundly. Like, you know, Florida was not that good, and they had so much struggles with them. <laughs> So it will be interesting. I think it'd be a good game. I think it's gonna be if the weather is what it kind of being forecast a little bit rain and um, cold. I think that plays in Louisville's advantage a little bit. Whereas um, you know in Tallahassee, you're not playing with that kind of weather as much, yeah. unless practice this week right. counts. Yeah, but uh, I mean it was rainy and um, at least pregame rainy and cold at the swamp, and that was a loud crowd in Florida State. I mean <laughs> they didn't play great, but they did withstand the storm of that. And just some trash talking, some um, extracurricular behavior on Florida's part. You know, spitting a lot of a lot of water. That was a yeah, lot of saliva. that was wild. Yeah. That was a lot. Like I think that's what we were talking about the last two days of practice. The media is just like how much saliva he had built. Up. That was impressive. Oh, God. <laughs> oh man. This that's Florida a... State media. This is what we talked yeah. about. Thank you for the visual. Yeah, maybe it. maybe it was the humidity. I mean, it, it was, was the humidity that allowed the him mix to. of sweat and spit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm convinced he just went to the bench before and just holding the water in the entire time and just waiting for his moment. Right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna do it. Oh no. <laughs> um, but on that note, do you have a prediction for this game? A score prediction? Oh, I'm I'm never good at these. Um, I'm gonna say neither are we. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say. Let's see. Louisville's been pretty decent. Okay, I'm gonna say. Floor. I'm gonna have to pick Florida State to win, um, because I do think there's much to be said of tradition and what they've been able to do this season. By a field goal, and that would be thirty-one to twenty-eight. That's fair. I have um, 
I think I um, mentioned the same thing. I have a 34-27, so I have a close game as well. Touchdown, mm-hmm. you know, that c- helps Florida State cover. They win the game, but um, a field goal here or there or, you know, it's a close game, it, wouldn't that surprise me? Uh, yeah, I think I'll fi- I'm going to follow yeah. a similar line. Um, I'm going to go with FSU 31 um, and Louisville um, 24. I'm going to go with that as well. I think I think it's going to be below 10 points. Well, I think at Florida State, I don't think it's going to be you – know, I think it's going to be a competitive game throughout. I don't think we're going to see a clean game from Florida State. But, I mean, I think they're going to be able to do enough in the fourth quarter to give them enough. I think it's going to be similar to what happened against Florida where they're able to build up kind of – put it together late and, I think, build up a gap. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Louisville <coughs> – Louisville ends up winning it either. So, I mean, this is, it's going to be a competitive game either way. Yeah, and um, Alexis, um, before we get to your social medias, today is um, Spotify Rap Day. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's been fun playing with that. Um, do, have you done yours yet? I actually did. I did. Um, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just... Because honestly, guys, full disclosure, I was not a Spotify girl for a while. I was very <laughs> much team Apple Music. Um, but my sister actually, I think I can say this without it being illegal, shared her Spotify with us. And so I, I went ahead and, uh, I went ahead and did that. And, uh, let's see, let me go straight to my artist. So I was very much in like kind of a, a soft girl era. And so my <laughs> first artist is Cleo Soul mm. and second artist is Brent Fias. And then third is uh curtis mayfield because i'm an old soul i love it fourth is nao and fifth is anthony hamilton so those are my my top artists of the my spotify that's that's amazing Uh, jack what was yours again now you're gonna have me expose myself again oh no (laughs) um i really i really enjoy pop a lot so let let me find it here Um, taylor swift no, it was not Taylor Swift. I, Nicki Minaj was my okay. number one artist. Um, yeah, we love to see it. We love to see it. And then um, Essence is pretty. Essence is pretty uh, straightforward. Yeah, I mean, um, I got me some. There's a thumb all the way to the end. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, number one, Taylor Swift. <laughs> number two, Lana Del Rey. Okay. Three, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Four, Kanye nice. West, and five, The Beatles. Okay, now is that old Kanye or new Kanye? <laughs> old Kanye. It better be. Okay, all right, we're good, we're good. I was going to say, this This was a judgment-free zone, but it might have just got a little bit of judgment if it was new Kanye, so respect. No, no, it's definitely old Kanye, because old Kanye was as good as any artist ever. Oh, for sure. No, For sure, that's a whole different thing, but yes, we, we love College Dropout and Late Registration, and Absolutely. yes. Absolutely. Some great albums. <laughs> All right, um, Alexis, where can we find your stuff? Yeah, so you guys can find me on Twitter slash X at Alexis underscore Cubit, um, A-L-E-X-I-S underscore C-U-B-I-T. Awesome. <coughs> Thank you so oh, much. Oh, and at the, sorry, at the CourierJournal.com, yes, CourierJournal.com. So Perfect. We appreciate you coming on. Um, hope you have a great rest <laughs> of your weekend. We'll see you Saturday. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. 
Uh, all right. Thank you, Alexis Cubit, for joining us. We appreciate you from the Courier Journal. Courier Journal. You can check out her work. Um, she will be at the game covering, you know, as well as we discussed. I think she said they're going to have um, a nice luxury of three writers and two photographers. Yeah, well, no, they will be loaded out there for sure. I'm glad we have t- uh, us two. You know, we'll do a great job. And um, we'll have Alicia, our photographer, down there as well. So it's going to be great. We're going to have um, both sides. We'll have amazing coverage. You should definitely check both of them out for both perspective on both sides. Right. But, um... Jack, any final thoughts? Um, you know the big thing coming up um, that I think I think right now it's it's it might sneak up on some people because there's so, there's so much focus on the playoffs right now and what's in, but the um, signing day and the transfer portal. I believe you said transfer portal opens Friday. Is that correct? Clark? Yes, transfer <laughs> portal opens Monday. 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 Excuse Monday. me. Monday. Although we are seeing an abundance of players, um, you know, like for one, we just saw Max Brown enter right. the transfer portal, or well, intends to enter the transfer portal. If that name sounds familiar, that was the guy who started for Florida quarterback, um, right. Trayshawn Ward, has already entered a transfer portal for a um, former Florida State running back. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at TCU, I believe, or one of the yes. schools, but um, he just entered a transfer portal. You know, if Trey Benson leaves and Florida State needs a running back... I mean... You know, could be interesting. I don't think it's going to happen. It could be. I mean, yeah, I don't think Trey Benson's leaving. Kansas State. Kansas State, yeah. The other purple school. Yeah. Um, 124 rushing yards. Uh, 124 <laughs> carries for 643 yards. Five touchdowns. Average five into 5.2 yards. Fun player. Um, you know, former walk-on player at Florida State who turned himself into a scholarship player. Was able to translate that and got a, you know... 600-yard season. He could, he's also somebody who could definitely go to the NFL if he wanted, you know, and try Absolutely. his luck there. Um, but back to um, football. Yeah, but, yeah, we got, yeah, the transfer portal opens up, and then the 20th of December, is that correct? No, the transfer portal <coughs> opens on, um, to, on Monday. No, I was going to say, the Sign- 20th coming up, that's signing day. Signing day, early Tw- signing day. Early signing day, December 20th. Um, we have a, there are a handful of guys that are signing for Florida State that we believe. Well, the, the guys that are committed that seem committed that are going to sign. Mm-hmm. Then obviously there's surprises. Um, yeah, there's surprises every year. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because <laughs> signing day, you know. Right. You had one year with Travis Hunter, which was a you know a mess, and then last year I believe. Um, Conrad Hussey kind of flipped last minute from going from Penn State lean, Penn State lean, Penn State lean, to all of a sudden, I'm going to Florida State. Right. So, signing day is always interesting. It's always fun. Um, obviously, we'll have coverage for that, but just want to throw it on your radar that th- these days are coming up. We don't want to sneak up on you guys. Um, we're not going to let them sneak up on us because it's a lot of work. Right. Like you, like like you, like I said, too, it, there's so much going on right now. You guys don't want this sneaking up on you It's it's because it's a crazy – it's crazy with football going on. It's crazy with football going football on as well. Going on. We're going um, – um, we're me, Jack, and um, once again, Alicia, we're driving up to um, past Charlotte to Greensboro tomorrow. Yes. We are staying halfway in between uh, Charlotte and Cary, North Carolina, where the College Cup will be played. Um, College Cup semifinals in the national championship game. Florida State plays on Friday. and they 6 p.m. Will, 6 p.m. And they will be playing a team that they're facing for the third time this year. That is Clemson. Um, number one seed in the tournament as well. It should be an exciting game. <coughs> um, Brian Penske, FSU's head coach, is predicting an exciting um, – talked about it as well earlier this week when um, there was availability for all the coaches to talk about um, the games co- upcoming and stuff like that. Brian Penske talked about, um, you know, this is going to be an exciting game. Um, he talked a lot with um, Clemson's coach and talked 
about how impressive that ACC championship game was when both those teams played. Um, that was the last time FSU allowed a goal, believe it or not, in that ACC championship game. It was a 2-1 victory. Um, since then, FSU has not allowed a goal in NCAA tournament play. They have two 5 nothing wins. They have a 1-0 win over Texas A&M, and then they have a 3-0 win over Pitt. Um They've scored more goals this college cup. Let's think about that, Jack. They've scored more college more goals this college cup than they did in twenty twenty one when they won a championship. Or last year with in one less game. College Cup was, I think, two less games. So it's impressive. This team can score. And like you just mentioned, they've had a lot of a goal in the playoffs. So they are hard to score and they score goals. <laughs> How do you beat them? I mean it's 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 truly I honestly do not know. Um because no one's done it this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean the last um, player to score on Florida State, as Jack mentioned, was in the Clemson, you know, um Florida State match. The attendance was one in that game. I don't think that's right. Oh, yeah, but, I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> but um, Mackenzie Duff, a defender, scored an assist, a goal. Um, I'm guessing that was on a PK or something since... It's, that was over a month ago. There's been a lot of soccer since then. Um, they're let off by this is the big thing about Clemson is that they've been a very they've had a very expansive effort just around McKenna Morris leads them in goals with nine um she also leads in points with 24 um assists between Jenna uh, Tobaya and um Danny Davis are at eight uh and then Carolina Conti uh she has 54 shots 32 on goal it's an expansive effort compared to what we've seen throughout the college cup and just previewing everything um a lot of the offensive leadership usually lies on one or two people um that can be said with florida state who uh everything goes through uh, oni edukini um she leads them in goals points shots and shots on goal and assists goes to taylor huff who's one of the national leaders right she now she scored um oni, oni scored two goals in that win against clemson she scored both goals she did yeah i mean she acc offensive player of the year uh, i mean you could talk about the other side of the bracket um brecken Mozingo leads BYU in every single offensive category this year. Um, Stanford, Jasmine Acne, um, she leads them in three of five categories as well. So seeing Clemson have an expansive effort on offense is something that they could benefit from and just they can really get scoring on anyone. You can argue FSU is the same way as well, where where it's been Echigini scoring or it's been Jordan Dudley scoring or it's been Beata Olsen scoring or it's even been Lauren Flynn coming down from the back line and scoring. Um, we've seen people come off the... <coughs> We've seen people come off the bench and score in uh, Lauren, not Lauren Flynn, excuse me. Uh, oh my God, Olivia Garcia and stuff like that. The big thing about this team too is that their defense has been extremely impressive. Um, you, Christina Roquet has, you know, her goaltending numbers have not been high, but it's the reason is it's because these teams can't get. Yeah, no, they can't get to the net because of the defense in front back of her. Line, led yeah, the back by line. Lauren Flynn. Um, you know who has. Fun story about her was, you know, she played um, um, forward for most of her career, just like her sister who played for, you know, um, Penske at Tennessee, where they went to the college, um, or Sweet 16, I think, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But um, she played forward a lot last year, I think last year, when um, Penske came in, he's like, I need you back here, move there, and, you know, it's paying off. Yeah, no, no, she's, she's definitely made, she's dominated in both positions, and she's, um, Penske, she can also score. Penske also says one of his favorite things is like, "Yeah, Lauren Flynn loves to score goals." And I mean, <laughs> it showed. She had a hat trick against. Um, oh 
god. I think it was NC State she had a hat trick against. Um, yeah, it was senior day. It was NC State. Um, I mean, just, that's someone who could score. Uh, Ronnie was another player that has been <coughs> fantastic, whether she's on the back line or in the midfield. Um, they just It's just a good defense. Um, good players along the wings. I mean, it's just complete team overall. Essen asked, how do you beat this team? I honestly don't know. I, I really don't. The only thing I could think of, the only team I truly think that can beat FSU in this tournament is honestly, honestly, I haven't said this yet. Um, I think just going through everything right now, I think Stanford's the team that can beat FSU just because of the, I think the way that this team could beat, and I'm just answering the own question that I said is unanswerable. But um, uh, I think a good defense is what stops Florida State. Um, if they run into a good defense, and that's what Stanford has. You look at the stats throughout the teams that are in the College Cup right now, and they don't really have high defensive numbers. The only team that really has high defensive numbers throughout the year is Stanford. Uh, <coughs> their goals against average is the second lowest in the country. Um, their shutout percentage is 19th right now. This is a very good defense from Stanford, and what they and it's another team that has not lost the entire year either. Um, what the, what happens, and I think this could hurt Florida State, is you get into a defensive battle, Stanford or whoever could knock in a goal early, and then you get into a battle and it ends in a one nothing. Yeah, I think one thing we've talked about is um, we saw a little bit against, was it not Pitt, one of the playoff games, we saw where um, Florida State came out early and attacked and scored three goals, four goals. Uh, Texas? Texas A&M. Yeah. That's Te- what, A&M, no, Texas. Texas, Texas, yeah. Texas, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, against former FSU goalkeeper Mia Justice. Um, they mm-hmm. scored like three first half goals, I believe it was. Yes. And kind of just took control of that game early on. But and that's but we have seen throughout the season where Florida State gets off a slow start. So how you beat them is you punch them in the <coughs> mouth first and then keep the pe- pressure on. If you do that, you, you go up 2 nothing. I don't think they've been down. They've been down 2 nothing once this year. They've been down a, a few couple times. times at halftime. They've been uh, tied, at, tied whether it's 0-0 zero, zero or one one a few times at halftime. They're a good second half team, but I mean, it's it's the same thing too. If you punch them in the mouth, it gets people sweating. I mean, the first game that we saw them play the pit the first time, it looked for the majority of that. <gasps> oh, excuse me. Oh my god, I have hiccups now. I'm coughing. I have hiccups. Isn't this a wonderful combination, y'all? Um, again, against pits, um, they got punched in the mouth early. Um, they kind of looked like they were going to lose that game for a bit as well. Um, were able to come back and won it narrowly three to two, but. Um, I mean, it's going to be some great soccer either way. This Florida State team still looks powerful. They still look like the best team in the country right now. Um, and this is the biggest challenges they're going to face going into the College Cup. Yeah, I mean, I think um, personally, I think the per- the familiar- familiarity would be the biggest thing, the thing that could trip them up when you play a Clemson who has, you know, seen what you can do. And I think that's... I honestly think if they could, if they beat Clemson, they have a decent chance against anyone in other bracket because that's how good they are. Um, I think they last year there was some question marks about this Florida State. They they were number one team overall, but there's some question marks. First year under Brian Penske, now they fully have Brian Penske's um you know um, offense and everything set up well. So I think they are set up really decently to make a deep run. I mean, they already made a deep run, but right. you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> To do a lot of great things, I I really like Florida State to win this. Um, you want to get into predictions, Jack? For- yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I personally think in the first round games, right, these the first game between Florida State and Clemson, I I'm gonna lean with Florida State here. I think they're just playing so well right now. They've seen Clemson before. I think they shut them out two nothing. Two nothing. That's 
kind of my prediction. Um, second game between BYU and Stanford. This is going to be a very good game. Um, I think Stanford's – I mean, this is a team that has not lost. Pac-12 is a really good soccer conference, was a good soccer conference since it's all going to fall apart next year. <laughs> but, oh, my God, excuse me, again. Um, I think Stanford wins this game. Um, uh, considering a lot has gone through Brecken Mazingo this year, um, I think Stanford finds a way to take her out of the equation. Um, I think Stanford wins this game three, three to two. Um, and then championship game. Well, um, let me, let, or we're let, just going to do semifinals right do now? Do semifinals first, okay. and then I'll, we will get to the um, – I'll, I'll, we'll do our championship picks after. Mm-hmm. So um, semis, I will go um, Florida State beats Clemson. I, I agree to 2-0. I'm gonna, but I'll go 3 nothing just to have a little different. Mm-hmm. So that Florida State wins that game three nothing. That match three nothing, mm-hmm. um, and then the um, second game, I will say um, BYU beats um, Stanford. Okay, two one. That will set up a rematch of the two twenty twenty one College Cup okay. championship. All right. Now you could do your championship match. Yes, I think B- I think FSU plays Stanford. I think this is going to be a narrow ga- game. Um, I honestly, I think I think it's going to be what Florida State, what pe- what might be what their be their Achilles heel. But I think they kind of reverse that and they come out on top here. I'm going to say it's going to be one nothing Florida State in the championship game against Stanford. All right. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to. I think this one, the second match, will be similar to one they played. In 2021, it's going to go to PKs, where Florida State pulls it off, um, 5-3. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be 1-1 during the match, but 5-3 during PKs. I think um, it's an evenly matched game. BYU has a ton of talent. Um, these teams are familiar with each other. They played, I believe, in Santa Monica a couple of years ago. Is that right, Jack? Uh, Santa Clara. Santa Clara. Believe, yes. One of the Santas. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, that was a co- you know, the COVID season that was reduced. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, that was you know so or they went twenty one and th- twenty one and three that twenty one that was a season after the COVID season yeah yeah mm-hmm. they went twenty one one and three that year, um this is a better team than that one, they should be you know I think they'll end up beat, winning this one and I just like the idea of a rematch of a you know mm-hmm. ending this similar fashion and right. BYU not getting their revenge mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about soccer, Jack? No, it's just it's going to be a fun game. We'll have all of the coverage that you could ever d- dream of there. Um, me and Essen will be there. Alicia Devine will be there with photos as well. Um, it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, um, we can get an elongated we we can get an elongated weekend from um, Friday to uh, Monday. Um, Got to win on Friday in order to move to Monday. So we will see. Um, what's happening here, but we'll move to another team that is just entering NCAA competition right now. Uh, Florida State coming off of a share of the co-ACC championship. Um, They are moving into NCAA tournament. They will be in Fayetteville on Friday. Yes, they Um, are the number 60. They play TCU at 5.30 p.m. Yes. Um, Should be a good matchup. You know, Florida State went 23-8. They um, clinched a share of the ACC championship. The first since, I believe, it was 2012. Impressive. Um, you know, um, if they win, they will play the win, um, either Stephen F. Austin or a regional host, three-seeded Arkansas in the second round. Um, you know, it should be interesting. 
they are um, obviously we see, we can see that FSU is a very talented team. We went to a match. We watched a couple of matches on TV. Um, it could be interesting. I, I'm not sure if they could. You know, they're going to win twice. Arkansas is a really good team at twenty five and five this year. Stephen F. Austin's also just lost four times at twenty nine and four. So it's going to be a tough challenge, but. This is a team that's kind of persevered during the second half, really picked it up. Um, you know, they had a key one over a ranked pit team. Um, just a really good season for them. They um, have the stat in here. I just want to pull it up for you guys. Um, it was a good stat. Um, you know, they started the season... They've won eight to end the season. They won eight matches in a row. Mm-hmm. They went eighteen and two to end the season, following a five and six start with five and six start, which included a three game losing streak start. Um, you know against Florida and a couple other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the Florida match, I think Jack watched that one on TV. That was a five set match that was very close, and they just like could not. So they are probably if they win that match, you might be looking at this team a little higher seed and like you know a little different, right? Like, right. But, you know, Chris Poole reached um, – head coach reached 900 wins this year. We talked to um, Mike Norval on Monday, and I asked, posed the question to him, like, you know, what's it like for this kind of weekend where you're going in? Florida State volleyball is going to be playing at 5.30 Friday, like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Florida State soccer is playing at 6 p.m. Set, um, Friday. Then you have Florida State men's, uh, men's football, men's football, the only football team, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at um, 8 p.m. Saturday. And then potentially Florida State women's soccer – on Sunday and on Monday, at six PM, so you just have a lot going on um, for Florida State athletics. And um, Norva mentioned, like you know, that's what makes Florida State special is not just a once one sport school. Mm-hmm. They will have multiple programs do well. Um, it's it's a fun time at Florida State. Obviously, um, you know, didn't even ask him about the basketball team. And he gave a shout out to Leonard Hamilton's team for beating number eighteen Colorado, and the women's basketball team. You know, for their start. They're five and one. They have a huge win over Tennessee. They lost their last game to Stanford, but that was a tough game in a tough tournament. But it is, um, you know, interesting time for sure. Right. Absolutely. It's it's a crazy time going on right now, and um, you know, you got volleyball, and then <laughs> I mean, basketball's getting rolling too as well. The ACC SEC challenge is coming up. Um, got a prime time event, truly prime time, starting at nine p.m. Uh, the game will be be over by now, but um, talk about kind of what's coming up since we have not watched the game yet. Uh, Georgia is coming to town. Georgia, Georgia. is coming to town to play the men's team, um, and they are tipping off at 9 p.m. 9.16 p.m. 9.16 p.m. Yeah, that's, um, you know, when I mentioned Chuck Walsh or uh, the SID for men's basketball, great man, I mentioned 9.15 p.m., and they said, he's like, oh, he's like, he tips me at 9.16. I'm like, oh, thank you, because, you know, TV stuff. Right. But, um... <laughs> So, a couple storylines for that game. One, we'll start off with, you know, Hugh Durham, Jeff, um, um, Jeff, uh, Jim Henry, our editor, did a story on, um, you know, Hugh Durham. He um, has a bond with both teams. He coached, he's a former player and coach at FSU. He led the um, Seminoles to three NCAA tournaments and a runner-up finish in 1972. And he coached um, Georgia, 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 the Bulldogs, <laughs> the Bulldogs. To their first NCAA appearance in nineteen eighty three, and that um, you know culminated with a trip to the Final Four, and he's someone that's known fondly in Georgia at FSU. So nice connection. They're honoring him probably well past his bedtime at nine fifteen p.m. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's 
damn near my bedtime as well. Oh my um, God. Florida State's four and one starts the season. Um, Georgia's three and three. It's gonna be the first time the teams face off since 1981, 1982, when Durham was the coach. Um, that year they beat Florida State 70-67. In the, um, you know, um, in the uh, the um, then Tallahassee Leon's County Civic Center. Fun name. That's a mouthful. Um, that's back. You know, me, me and Jack discussed this a little bit. That's before they had played their home games in Tully's Gymnasium, where volleyball plays now. That um, you know, so. Just a fun little storyline there, and then that's not the only storyline for the men's game. Um, Jalen DeRoach, DeLoach, the brother of Kalen DeLoach, um, is pl- plays for Georgia. Big-time player. Kalen and his dad, um, Rob, are going to be courtside to watch that game. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Rob's going to be holding up football that Kalen gave him from um, the Florida interception. Right. <laughs> his second career interception, both coming in the swamp, you know. Talk about timely. Um, but, yeah, so... You know, Kalen told um, everyone, he said, to come out to Civic Center. I mean, it's already too late now. If you guys didn't go to the game, that's on you. Um, but, yeah, no, it's going to be fun. A couple storylines for the men's game. I think it's going to be an interesting game. You know, Florida State got is 4-1, got blown up by Florida, have wins over Central Michigan, um, Kennesaw State, um, and one other team other than Colorado. Can't remember the other name, team right now. But um, they lost or they won. They're four and one. So, so Kennesaw State, Michigan, Central Michigan. I don't remember the second. Col- Colorado. I don't remember the. They lost to Florida and then the, UNLV. UNLV. That's okay. what it was. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Couldn't remember <laughs> that one. But yeah, so Florida State. You know, is four and one. Good start to the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of good start to the season, you know, beating Tennessee. Helps a lot. Um, talk about women's basketball a little bit, Jack. Um, what do you? What can you tell us? You went to Villa this week. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, they're. I mean, this team is playing so well right now. They, <clears throat> they're five and one right now, and they're coming off of a loss. However, it's two now. I believe they're now number three in the country right now. Number three, number four. That is St- Stanford. They just lost to them in the um, the Ball Dogs Classic Championship. Um, they uh, lost them 188, but um, it's a game that they're taking a lot more good away from than bad um, just because they, you know, this Florida State team is realizing just how good they are, <coughs> are this year, um, getting the win over Tennessee. Um, you know, they played a tight game with Florida and won that as well. Um, they completely blew past Northwestern, a Big Ten squad. Um, so playing, they played Stanford pretty close that just kind of got away from them in the fourth quarter, but they're slowly realizing the big thing that they mentioned is that um, they learn that they're right with them and that um, Omira Gordon talked about how she feels like after really competing with Stanford and you know beating Tennessee and stuff like that, that she feels like they are an Elite Eight team this early, early on in the season. They are a team that can compete with some of the best in the country as it showed. Um, and they're feeling good about it right now. They're coming up, up and they're going to face an Arkansas team that's very similar to them, a team that likes to shoot their sixth in the nation right now and three-point attempts per game. Um, they are averaging. Let me find it right now. Um, now what he says that, let me, let's get some credit to Jack. This man's battling through hiccups, coughs. Uh, yeah, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> restricting me through everything. Um, so Arkansas averages 33-point attempts per game, which is insane. Um, they're led off by Talia Scott, which is a player that um, Brooke Wyckoff talked a lot about. Um, she's also a Florida native. She's a McDonald's all all-American, and um, she's from Orange Park, Florida. She went to St. John's Country Day. Um, 
again, they said it's a team that's very similar to them as well. They're expecting a high-scoring game, too. too. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, y'all. I am almost through this. Um, but um, it's going to be an exciting game overall. Um, that is on Thursday. I'm not sure <coughs> what the t- – I have the tip off time to tell the story. Um, 7 p.m. It will also be on ESPN2 at the Donald L. Donald L. Tucker Civic Center. FSU will be playing Arkansas. FSU is number 15 in the country. Um Arkansas only has one loss, too. Uh, number 23, Marquette. Um, but this is an FSU team that has a lot of success coming their way this year. They look really, really good right now, whether it be Tania Lotson or Meyer Gordon or, you know, it be Tucker or um, Bonner or um, Latson, excuse me, um, or um, Sarah Bajetti. Um, Sarah Bajetti. Sarah Bajetti. Um, they have a lot of success. They're coming their way as well. And I think this team knows how good they can be. And they just continuously want to challenge them themselves this year um um but this is a fun team to watch um yes the men's team is fun to watch and stuff like that but this woman's team is a blast and they're and they are really good this year i highly recommend getting out to this game if you can't get to this game just get out to a game in general they are so much fun to watch and they are so good oh definitely this is a matchup that you want to watch it's a good matchup um Mm -hmm. like you mentioned tonight latson worth the price of admission by herself absolutely and then the rest of the team is a lot of fun as well you know we haven't even talked much about you know kk timpson as you know a, a double double every game um you know you have amaya um you know who's been really good the transfer sarah T- um uh, you know tucker mm-hmm. so you have a really good team it's a very talented team that is just they have that win over tennessee but i don't think they play the best basketball yet i think that's still around the corner i think they have so much more potential I think an elite eight is appropriate for this team. I think that's a fair um, projection for this team. I'm not, I'm not sold that they're you know they probably need a little bit more to get past that at this point. Yeah, and I they don't they have to hit another level. That's not saying disrespect. I just like that's the state of women's college basketball right now, where it's it's so deep, it's so talented. <clears throat> and women's yeah, women's basketball. There's so many different. It's so. Lopsided, I don't think is the correct word, but there's just different levels of it do as well. And there's an elite level with South Carolina and South and I almost said South Carolina choice, South Carolina and UConn and Stanford and LSU and, and Iowa. Caitlin Clark's outscoring um, the football team. Just the, just the fact, yeah, just the fact that <laughs> Caitlin Clark, you could walk her down to half court and she can easily drain, shoot perfect from there. I mean, they're. I think they recognize, too, that they're still pushing to get a level, but the fact that they played Sanford for three or four quarters very closely, we're leading them for parts of that game, too. No, it was a, it That's was, impressive in its own self. It was hard to watch that game because, you know... Um... I, I, I know I talked to Stephen Stone about this as well, and we talked a little bit about, you know, the selectivity of flow hoops, and it's, in my personal opinion, that's ridiculous that you're putting that, that game under that... Provider, I get like, it. You're trying to build the brand, but that's uh, ridiculous. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. Like number three versus number eleven in the country. Like, come on, that's ridiculous. It is. It's. It's. We want to see them. We put women's basketball front and center because we deserve to see that. It's a fun sport, right? And they are. There's so much talent in that sport right now. Like, you have a chance. Like I like to talk, we talk about this a little bit. You had a chance to showcase Tania Latson, who had a great game in that one. And she's, I don't think the most of the country knows who she is still, which is a damn shame because mm. she is so good at basketball. Mm. No, she she's, so she's nuts. Just the way her vision on the court, her speed. It's just the speed for the team in general, too. I mean, Definitely. This is just – again, I cannot express enough. If they're in town, even – I don't want to tell you to go see something over another thing, but 
I, w- I would I would recommend going seeing the women's team a little bit more than a, than another team that plays in the Tucker Center just because this team they deserve the attendance they deserve the sellouts I mean damn you're calling up my rec basketball team huh <laughs> <laughs> the women's team is just it's it's a great time y'all you 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 really need to catch these games this team is so good and they're so much fun and you will I, I I'm gonna put it down here I'll say it here you see we'll see this team deep in March we will we will mm-hmm. March Madness and we'll see them in April as well because that's when because <laughs> you know. Um, it's March Madness, but we go into April when those good games actually, you know, when it gets really crazy. See how deep they can get, absolutely. Definitely. Um, Jack, um, you know, busy week, busy podcast. Um, we had a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you guys joining. Where can they find us on social? Yeah, you can find all of our stuff at No Sports um, <coughs> on Instagram. It's TLH No Sports. Um, my personal handle is Jack G. Williams. Essence is S and underscore Casm, both on X. Again, I apologize that I was coughing and hiccuping through the entire video. I know people are going to be like, man, why that one reporter just coughed and hiccuped the entire video? I am sorry. I cannot control the way I am. But that is where you can find all our socials. And you can find all of our stuff at Dallas. <laughs> TallahasseeDemocrat.com. Oh, my God. I will wrap just Tallahassee.com. Tallahassee.com. <laughs> NoSports.com. Uh, Alicia Devine will have some great photos throughout this week as well. And, yeah, we will be covering just about everything going on this week. Um, you know, once again, I'll plug our other reporter, Gerald Thomas, is going to be covering the hell out of the um, SWAC championship yep. in town. I believe he told me it's the first time since 2000 that both teams could win a, um, a conference championship. <laughs> so, um, you know, a lot going on. Semifinals of the college football uh, – college football. The, um, not there yet. Not there yet. The um, high school football playoffs. Right, I think uh, right. Madison County and who else is alive for uh, local, local? Local teams. Um, Madison County will be playing Bozeman. Those games have been moved to Thursday because of some severe weather that will be coming in Friday. <clears throat> um, they will play the Madison County and Bozeman. The winner of that game will play the winner of Hawthorne and – I don't remember if the other team is. That's fine. Uh, Just, um, and then the other local team, uh, North Florida Christian, is down in Sarasota, and they will be playing Cardinal Mooney. That's going to be a hard game, but I want to give a pop- shout-out to J.P. Pickles, who I've been – he's fun to watch. He's a fun kid to watch. Absolutely great vision. Um, you know, just a great football player as well. And our preps reporter, Liam Rooney, who I'm looking at right now but does not see me looking at him right now. Liam Rooney does a fantastic job covering preps, which was my old job. Um, and he will have you guys covered if you guys are interested in that. That will be covered state semifinals and state finals, which will be at FAMU next week. Next week. Jesus, we're already there. Yeah. But, but yeah, thank you guys for um, joining us, and we will catch you next week. Or actually, we'll catch you. Seminole Scoopy on top of the story that you're gonna find, you can find this podcast in or you can find it on um, Tallahassee.com. And we'll also have a Seminole script after the game. It won't be hard to miss us. It for won't be. Sure. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. Thank you.